0: Never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. He doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter
1: Soldier. I'm oh, Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that is most likely going to have an animated series on Netflix because, well, everybody else seems to. Uh, my name's Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Yeah. Hey man, I'm I'm all right. We um, just so yeah. our listeners know, this is the probably the fourth start of the show <laughs> because we <laughs> we keep having bizarre technical difficulties tonight, which is unusual. Um, but that's okay. Sure. Let's get the kinks out. Um, since we're behind, Peter, and we're actually uh, we're behind our normal recording time. Um, what? Uh, let's jump right in. And uh, what are we watching? What are we reading?
0: Right. Um. So I've been. Busy, um, and I haven't had like a ton of time to watch a ton of stuff. But there is a couple things that I've been enjoying that I kind of want to do uh, throw out there. Um, the first, the first one is this Twitter page that I just find endlessly amusing, which is uh, it's called Superhero Slander. Uh, since, since we Which, which,
1: it, and I'd love to say I have not heard about this, <laughs> but this is our like.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so go ahead. Th- this is an amazing Twitter page that basically retweets people and post memes that, uh, talk crap about superheroes. So, uh, the first meme I saw that they, or the first, my first experience with them was this meme that had a picture of, uh, Superman, uh, saving this kid on some train tracks. And he was basically holding this train back from hitting the kid and the trains like, you know, breaking up and getting destroyed behind Superman. Cause he's trying so hard to hold this train back from hitting the kid But the labels on the meme basically (laughs) pointed out that the kid would be just extremely easy to pick up and fly away with. And then you wouldn't have to (laughs) destroy this huge train, which I thought was, like, really hilarious. And then I started to kind of delve deeper into this Twitter page, and I just thought it was really funny. What's this Um, called again? uh, Superhero Slander. I want to say it's at Superhero Slander. I'm not sure... The, what the ad is specifically but if you just search superhero slander on Twitter I'm pretty sure you'll
1: find it Yeah I I want to I want to take a look at it um it just seems funny <laughs> the um Yeah the there's a there's a page I like to uh, look at called uh, Comics Out of Context um I don't know if you oh,
0: nice.
1: I don't know if you ever looked at that and what it is it's a Twitter feed that literally just posts single frames from comic books some of them are old some of them are new but they're always, like, bizarre enough that you're, like, like out of context, it's really kind of funny to look at these s- standalone frames, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen that before, I think I have seen comics <laughs> out of context, and sometimes it's, like, sometimes it's funny or badly aged things, and sometimes it's actually just, like, almost, like, weird, like, uh, I don't know, like, weird esoteric, just, like, Moments from comic books that just make you think like, oh, that's weird. Like, why does this exist? Sort of thing. Right. So, right. Uh, while we're on this uh, train, there's another like similar. I don't know if they're on Twitter, but I'm pretty sure they're on Instagram and stuff. There's this page called Paperback Paradise. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I'll no. Take that, I'll take your silence. Yeah, <laughs> no. I was um, thinking for a minute. Oh yeah. Uh, no worries. So paperback paradise is this it's so funny basically all it is is they take very old book covers so they'll go back to like these old like fantasy novels from the 70s or old western novels or they just they just find these really old book covers and then they make their own titles for them and they're (laughs) they're all really ridiculous i'm trying to think of a really uh a really good example so there's like there's (laughs) one There's one where it's, uh, I don't remember what it says, but it's like this kid's book where there's these kids who are in space on like a spaceship and there's a vampire chasing after them. And the—and I think the title's just like, oh shit, or something stupid like that. And then there's like the sequel to that book where it's the vampires chasing him again. But uh, so the first book, the first uh, book cover, I forgot to mention that the sun was like, making it so the vampire had to stay in the shadows because the sun was in the background. <laughs> and so in the sequel uh, the sequel book cover, there's no sun in the image, and so the vampire has, like, free range to chase these kids through the space station, and I think it's, it's like, oh, the sun is not my, bi- my bitch, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and it's, it's all just, like, really goofy, crass stuff like that, but if you like kind of just, like, random old memes like that... Uh, Paperback Paradise is pretty pretty awesome. All
1: right, I'll have to look at that because um, that I love having stuff like that on my Twitter feed. So
0: <laughs> absolutely. Um, oh, so another thing that I watched on Netflix recently is this documentary called L.A. Originals, which is um, it's the story of uh, what's that?
1: I didn't say anything. I was listening. Oh, sorry,
0: I thought you said something. Nope. Uh, so it's, so it's this documentary that's about this. Uh, I wish I could remember the photographer's name, but it's this photographer and this artist. And I know the artist because I used to see his stuff a lot in uh, art magazines like uh, Juxtapose and High Fructose. They're like, you know, these sort of like West Coast uh, modern art magazines I used to read a lot uh, back in college. And uh, the artist's name is Mr. Cartoon. And he was always this guy who had like this really cool like Graffiti esque style, and uh, I always really enjoyed his uh, his paintings and stuff that I would see in these magazines. But I actually had no idea that this guy is one of the most famous tattoo artists in the world. And so it was kind of cool to watch this documentary because basically it's about Mr. Cartoon and uh, his friend, who's this photographer guy that I'm. I feel bad that I'm blanking on his name, but they basically kind of just built this empire out of doing, uh, tattoos and photography, but they basically ended up getting connections with some of the biggest, like, music artists out there, um, like, Mr. Cartoon, for example, uh, has toured and given, given tattoos to, like, pretty much all your favorite rappers you've ever listened to, like, 50 Cent, Eminem, M&M, like, all these huge rappers back in the day, and then the other guy was basically a photographer or a, um, a manager for, like, all these big artists, and it's, like, a really cool uh, story about just these two guys who built this, like, DIY empire for themselves, and I enjoyed it, too, just because, like I said, I, I've kind of, like, vaguely been following Mr. Cartoon for a while, but it was kind of cool to just see like, oh, this is actually a huge influential guy that I actually didn't know anything about. So if you're into like street culture or music and stuff like that, LA LA Originals is like a really cool thing. Um, Cool documentary to check out. And then the last thing I wanted to mention, and I can keep this one super short because I haven't watched a lot of it. I've really only watched one episode, but it's the show on Netflix called Cure which is like C-U-R-O-N, and uh, this show is awesome. Like I said, I've only watched one episode, but it seems like this really cool, dark, supernatural mystery. Um, basically, the show starts out where it's this, uh, uh, okay, so if, if the show starts out with this girl who uh, gets sent to her room or something because her parents are in a fight, and then she ends up breaking out of her room because she wants to see, like, what they're fighting about, and she sees, basically, for lack of better terms, an evil doppelganger version of herself shoot her own mom. (laughs) So she basically sees herself shoot her mom, and then she faints, and you're just like, what the heck is going on? And then it cuts to the same woman who is full-grown, and she she has moved away from this town she lived in where she saw her mom get shot, and she is taking her kids back to this town to, for some reason, it kind of doesn't explain why, but she needs to go back to her father's house where this event happens, and uh, uh, it's kind of this cool thing where it's this, uh, it's this European series. I wish I did research to know, like, where the series comes from, but it's, it's dubbed in English, so it definitely is from another language, but it's this series where it takes place in this European city where it's kind of like one of those cities where there's an old section of the city and there's a new section of the city. But the weird part of the old section is the old section is like Atlantis, where it's the old section is all flooded and stuff. And the okay. one thing that is uh, the one thing you can see from the old city is this tall church steeple that's sticking out of the water. And uh, it's kind of this thing. I I'm not sure where it's going, but I think it's gonna be this thing where. In the old city underwater, there's, like, these evil, like, doppelgangers for everybody. <laughs> and I can kind of leave it leave it at that. But it's it just, from what I've seen, it's super interesting and mysterious and dark and all the things that I enjoy. So I'm really excited to watch that one a little bit more so. Nice, all right. And that's pretty much all I have for now. How about you? Well,
1: I have watched a little bit more Space Force. Um, oh, nice. I think the show is funny. But, again, it is very ahead of its time, um, and I think that'll be, like – I think that'll ultimately be the downfall of the show because I just don't think people – there's not enough known about the Space Force in terms of what it really is other than, like, people talking um, <laughs> yeah. publicly. Like, there's and,
0: always – every time you say Space Force is ahead of its time – I just get the feeling like you're a time travel and traveler, and you have like this really ominous, like sort of. Well, you've been learned.
1: well, <laughs> so no, like I liken, I want to liken Space Force to. Did you ever see the movie Idiocracy? Yes. Okay, yep. that movie is li- quite literally a um, bizarre, like social commentary about the life we live now. Yes. It is so bizarre. Like that movie came out and it was like this glimpse of like a future reality that could a possible future that we could be living in. And unfortunately, aside from some minor things, we are already living it. (laughs) And it's, and it's so weird that like you, you, you can't, I can't look at that movie any other way, but to think we're already living in that type of world, um, and so that's kind of how I would liken Space Force in terms of, like, being ahead of its time. Like, it's just, you're going to look back at that show and go, oh, wow, they really, like, nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's some there's some really, really funny things that go on in the show, and uh, I'm not I'm not as far as I would have liked to have been before I did this episode tonight, but the show is pretty funny. Um, nice. So I, I, I just recommend checking it out. The other thing that I watched, and this technically falls under news, so that'll be a good segue for us, is... Um, do you you know about the new Muppets show coming to Disney Plus, right?
0: Um, vaguely. It's, um, it's called. I feel like I've heard about it. But.
1: It's called Muppets Now, and it's going to be a weekly show on Disney Plus. Uh, the trailer dropped today. Um, it looks awesome. I'm just a big Muppets fan, so I can't wait. Um, yeah. That's, yeah,
0: I feel like we did we talk about this on the show.
1: I mentioned it when uh, it got announced. Okay. Uh, but the trailer, the trailer released earlier. today. So, nice. Is it any
0: good?
1: The trailer looks great. I mean, it's a trailer for a Muppet show, and it's basically <laughs> Ker- right. it's basically Kermit talking to the the camera, trying to explain what the show is. But the guy from uh, uh, the PR rep is trying to make sure he doesn't say too much stuff because he doesn't want him to spoil the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, which just made the trailer funnier. So they showed some clips and whatnot. So. Um, that being said, uh, before we go over the news, just because I thought of it, uh, the final episode of St- uh, Disney Gallery, the making of the Mandalorian, dropped. Um, it is a gorgeous episode, absolutely amazing. Um, everything that um that show is, I highly, highly recommend it because it is a deep dive Star Wars amazingness, like behind the scenes, um, in terms of how they made it deep dive into how the, they created the story, deep dive into the directors, deep dive into the mythos and legacy of George's vision, and it's just, it's such a good show. Um, have you checked it out at all?
0: Um, I mentioned uh, a week or two ago, I've seen uh, the first episode, and I haven't watched any more. I really want to because I loved that first episode, and I love... Uh, behind-the-scenes and, like, making of stuff. So I'm really excited to watch it eventually. But, yeah, I haven't had a chance to check out this uh, any more than that first episode yet.
1: Um... Yeah, you, you you really really should. And in the second episode, you're not gonna want it to end. Once Dave Filoni starts talking at the end about episode one, <laughs> you're not gonna want to want you're not gonna want him to stop talking. It's so amazing. <laughs> um, That's great. Because the first episode was great. The second episode really hooked me. But that final bit where he starts talking about episode one, I was like, I'm in this show for the long haul. I just, I man, just if they start doing that on a regular basis with their stuff, even if it's even if it's Marvel, like I think Disney Gallery should be a show where they like just look at the making of different things. Yeah, do Star Wars because we want the deep dive, but do other stuff. Do, like, the making of uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier when that releases. Do the making of Toy Story. Get the guys back and talk about that. You know what I mean? Like, that could be a yeah. really, really amazing show. Um, I
0: think I think a season about Pixar would be really <coughs> awesome. Um, right. And then, like, Marvel would be really cool, too. I, I, that actually was a question I was going to ask you is, what do you think is the next... Uh, Series or franchise, or whatever well, they're going to focus on. They
1: make it sound like it is strictly a Star Wars thing, which is cool if that's the case. I just think it would lend itself to being really well if they just made it an everything thing in terms of the Disney company. So,
0: yeah.
1: Um, all right, well, let's hop into news, man, because we got some big stories, and uh, we don't have a lot of news, but we got some big stories because one of them is going to okay. really like make us talk. So, um, everyone's getting a Netflix show. Uh, an animated show because uh, Scott Pilgrim writer and director Edgar Wright has revealed that there there are there have been talks to bring Scott Pilgrim back as an animated series on Netflix. Oh,
0: this is amazing! That's great.
1: I know. Uh, <laughs> that sounds fantastic. And what I like about this is they could probably use the animate the comic artwork. Uh, to create the show, which could make it really cool. Uh, there's not much yeah. There's not much to this story. I just saw it today and thought I'd say, hey, we got to talk about it because that's cool. Because we both like Scott Pilgrim.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. I think um, <clears throat> it's really exciting. Um, so, like, reading the comics, like, I know there's so much in the comics that they don't do in the movie. Like, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like the, they both tell the same story, but the comics just go so much further in depth with a lot of... Uh, surrounding events and stuff that just doesn't make it into the movie which i guess is obvious for any uh book to movie adaptation but i could really see them breaking down like there's only six volumes of comics but i could see them breaking it down into maybe four to six different seasons and i love the artwork of that series and i enjoy that series a lot too so that's actually great to hear
1: yeah um so yeah, I just thought it, I just thought it was cool, and we'll see uh, um, we'll see how it goes. So <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. So uh, the next one is Cobra Kai on YouTube. Have you watched that at all?
0: I know about it. I haven't watched it. Um, I like the Karate Kid. I don't know if I've ever considered myself like a Karate Kid fan, <laughs> but I do love the old karate kid movies but i i don't know if my fandom's enough that i was like going out of my way for cobra kai have you watched it at all well
1: i have not i was really excited about cobra kai to begin with like the the, the idea yeah. for the show the trailer looked great i haven't had a chance to watch it because it was on youtube but it was on youtube red so um yeah. they it was like a pay for service and i'm like i, I only want to watch cobra kai i don't know what else youtube's got YouTube has officially said they're no longer going to be handling streaming television series um, like that. Um, like, if, you, if you're if you creating content for YouTube, that's one thing. So, like, if you're a web series and you're creating content and you're airing it on YouTube, that's one thing. But they're not going to go and do their YouTube Red anymore. Um, okay. So, they are ditching all their television series that they were doing. So, Cobra Kai is being moved to Netflix for Season 3 along with the rest of the show. Uh, oh, nice. Okay. So seasons one and two will also be available on the streaming service, but going forward, Cobra Kai will live on Netflix, um, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, maybe I actually will check it out. <laughs> yeah, if it's on Netflix. Oh. I'm the same way, like I don't, I never had YouTube around, and that was kind of a big reason holding me back too. So.
1: All right. Uh. Okay. Yeah. So I'm. I'm. I want to watch it when it hits Netflix. So we'll. That'll be a dive for me. Um. Okay. I have one more story, and then we got to talk about the big one for the night. Um, All right. First story: Henry Cavill still wants to play Superman. Um, <laughs> this is new. <laughs> well, this is new because we have a we have a new quote. Um, okay. Henry Cavill, directly from him in an, in an interview with Variety, um, he says, "Children don't necessarily see me as Henry Cavill, but they might see Superman, and there's a responsibility which comes with that. I hope that I get to play more Superman in years to come." Um, And that's awesome to hear that he's, it's not about, you know, it's one thing to be like, I'm here because I'm getting a paycheck. It's something else to say, I'm here because I know kids look up to me. And that's awesome. And that's why I wanted to just point it out. Like the fact that like he wants to do it, like aside from wanting to do it himself, he wants to do it for a really cool reason. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like um, Henry Cavill, like I feel like he's got a lot of quotes regarding him playing superman that kind of just go in line where he he i think he gets the character and i think he has uh, really good intentions with playing the character and this is just like a really cool thing to hear because i i don't think most actors necessarily think about their roles that way but it's kind of cool that he's like saying like i have a responsibility to be the best guy I, I you know i can just because i am playing like you know this really really um I don't know like morally like superior character you know and I don't want to let any of my kid fans down and that's just kind of like really cool to hear that he is embracing the role that much you know yeah
1: all right um well that's a really good segue because we got a giant dc story now before I jump into this I think this is interesting that um since covid has shut down all movie theaters the company that's been the most quiet has been marvel Um, They have... They laid out their slate before COVID hit, and then they basically can't talk about anything because everything's got to say a hyper secret, and they can't release, like, one of their movies because of COVID. So who's got news? DC is just pumping stuff out. It's like they're taking this as, like... Well, Marvel's quiet. Time to like own the world right now, because they <laughs> yeah. they literally broke the internet with a piece of news. But I but there's a piece of news that I think skated under the surface it, regarding this, and I think people are missing out on the big picture of what could possibly possibly happen here. Um, All right. And I want to start with Crisis on Infinite Earths, the CW crossover. Okay, in that we saw various forms of DC crossover material. Now, anyone who knows Crisis, uh, whether the comic book or you watch the CW crossover, you know it's an issue of the multiverse coming together and the different worlds um, splitting into each other and all that stuff, and you're seeing massive crossover in the different realities. One of which being the 89 Batman, the, uh, the Teen Titans themselves, um, the uh, like obviously the CW shows, um, but they, t- but the big one that kind of shocked everyone more than anything was when the Grant Gustin Flash from the television show met Ezra Miller Flash from the Justice League movie. Right. Okay. Big, big shocker. And we were all blown away. Don't forget I said Batman 89. I'm coming back to that in a second. We all wanted to know what that meant because DC did something huge that I think no one expected to happen. Okay. Here's the news story. The Flash film is still happening, but, um, okay, the Flash movie is going to be, it's going to focus on Flashpoint, which is where Barry Allen tries to go back in time and prevent his mother's death, screws up the timeline, and then everything's wrong when he gets to the present, and then he's got to go back and fix everything, right? Yes. Okay, so, um, we are looking at Michael Keaton from Batman 89 is an early talks to play Batman in the Flash movie. So Michael Keaton could very well be and when they say in talks it's usually a done deal. Um, Michael Keaton is going to be playing Batman again in the Flashpoint film. So right so think about him, so think about Ezra Miller Flash doing the crossover in Crisis and Infinite Earths and seeing Flash but there was the Batman '89 crossover in the Crisis and Infinite Earths as well. Yeah. And now he, and now the Batman '89 is going to be in. I mean, we. I mean, it could. It might not be Batman '89. But do you see what I'm getting at? Like yeah. that Batman with the new Justice League stuff going on. That's huge. Here's what else is huge about this, and this is the piece that I think skated under everyone's eyes. Jeffrey Dean Morgan in talks to play Thomas Wayne in The Flash.
0: Okay, I heard about this
1: Okay, Uh, if I was going to say, because if you know about, and it's a rumor, it's stated as a rumor, but if he's in talks, that means it's probably close to reality than a rumor. The thing about Jeffrey Dean Morgan is, in Batman vs Superman, to clarify for everybody, he plays Thomas Wayne, and you get to see him gunned down at the beginning of the movie. In Flashpoint... When Barry Allen goes back to the present, when he thinks he fixed everything, he's in the wrong reality, he's in a wrong timeline, where Bruce Wayne is the one that got killed in the alleyway, and his dad, Thomas Wayne, became Batman, so the fact that we could see a Jeffrey Dean Morgan Batman, as well as a Michael Keaton Batman, in the Flash movie. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think, uh Yeah, this is really exciting. Keep
1: going. Well, not only is that exciting, but if you remember the end of Flashpoint, now if you've read the book or if you've watched the animated film, if you remember the end of Flashpoint, when he is when Thomas Wayne is Batman is learning about this other reality where his son lived from his son was not the one killed, he helps the Flash so his son Bruce could live. The the problem is, is when Barry Allen fixes it, that means Bruce Wayne eventually still has to become Batman, right? Well, Thomas Wayne gave The Flash a letter to give to Bruce, and you don't know what the letter says. You do get to see the final line of the letter, and it's like, I love you, Dad, or I'm proud of you, son, or whatever the line from the letter is, but you see Batman receive that letter. Well, who was Jeffrey Dean Morgan's son? That would have been Ben Affleck. So there is a chance... We could have Jeffrey Dean Morgan Batman, Michael Keaton Batman, and Ben Affleck Batman in the same Flash film.
0: Yeah, that's a... I didn't think about the three in one film, but yeah, that is very exciting. And
1: I'm going to throw in one more thing for you. Okay. This is not the Flash film, but you got it. We cannot forget that the Robert Pattinson Batman movies are still coming. So that means in 2021, because of the Snyder Cut... We could be getting Robert Pattinson Batman, Ben Affleck Batman again, and then in 2022 we could be getting Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, and uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Robert Pattinson Batman films. Nice. That's <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty sweet. That's a lot. That is huge. Yeah. I I absolutely could not uh, believe uh, my eyes when I saw that, and it was just it just blew me away. And I'm like, I cannot wait to talk about it in the podcast about this. Yeah. Um, now, now, where do you think in Flashpoint,
0: uh, Michael Keaton Batman is going to factor in?
1: My guess, if I had to make any guesses, um, there's been a big internet rumor about um, uh, the the Batman Beyond movie and how Michael Keaton should come back and play old Bruce Wayne, which could usher in and do Batman Beyond. And if we're dealing with time travel and alternate realities, what if Ezra Miller, Flash, screws something up and comes out in another reality, and he's in like Batman Beyond Time, and that's where we get the Michael Keaton cameo. Um, Hopefully it's a little bit more than just a cameo, but we could be seeing that happen. And then Ezra Miller tries to fix everything, whether he fixes everything or not, then we get the Jeffrey Dean Morgan storyline for f- the actual Flashpoint thing. But the Batman Beyond ushers us into an actual live-action Batman Beyond.
0: I mean, I, I, I love that idea.
1: I'm I, I am I am a fan, and I'm probably a hundred percent wrong, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I love that idea, but I do hope that it, if they do bring like a Batman Beyond section into Flashpoint, I hope that it. Uh, has a bearing on where the story is going, and it's not just there to set up a future film. You know True. what I mean? And that's, I, especially, especially with Flashpoint, I think that's... I, I love Flashpoint. Like The story, I think, is really awesome and very exciting, but I just... I worry that it's going to be one of those movies that tries to set up too much, and I feel like there is danger there um, when you think about it. But uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no,
1: you're totally fine. I just, that's, it's it's such a good story, and I totally understand what you're saying. Um, Yeah. I have no idea how this works, especially if there are two Batmans. Potentially three, because we wouldn't see the Ben Affleck one until the very end of the movie, anyway, and it would be this final moment when he gives him the letter. But it would still count, you know. Yeah, that's true.
0: I didn't, I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I was also thinking if they do Batman Beyond, then we have our fifth Batman, and then we're good to go with that. So.
1: Yep. You know, they made that. They make that joke at the beginning of. Um what's it called, Uh, the Lego Batman movie, when they see the DC logo, and he says, the house that Batman built, and then he pauses and said, I know Superman came first, but let's be honest. (laughs) Um, It's one of my favorite jokes, but... um no, it's just it's it's really exciting to think that we're gonna get that. It's it's a something that I don't think any of us anticipated actually happening. And I mean, it it doesn't have to happen with Batman. It could have happened with any character. But the fact that they have the ability to do something like this and draw on bringing in these other actors, uh, like Michael Keaton to reprise his role, just sounds amazing. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of I don't know what all to say about it I'm very excited I think it's really cool I just kind of I'm in the mode where I'm gonna wait and see what comes out of this sort of thing yeah
1: yeah (laughs) I hear you all right well we have a ton of DC to talk about anyway and I guarantee you know so um why don't we jump to the list and I know we're like getting the list way earlier than normal but um that's it for news man so yeah it, yeah, was, yeah. it was literally, like, the Batman story and, like, those couple little ones. Other than that, there was, like, hardly nothing this week, so. <laughs> yeah, right on. Um, I do know uh, there is um, E3, before we jump to the list, uh, E3, the video game um, convention, uh, obviously got canceled due to COVID, but they've been releasing a lot of stuff recently about um, upcoming games and, like, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox One X and that kind of thing. Um, what I'm going to say is uh, I will bring up stuff that I see that I really am interested in. Um, I'm waiting for the Halo trailer. Um, that hasn't dropped yet, but I'm waiting for information about that. That's probably one of the games I'm really excited about. and like, So I'm just throwing that out there because they're not doing a convention, but normally there'd be a lot of news that would come out of that convention. So.
0: Yeah, it's the the news is being dropped sporadically instead of all at once. So
1: yeah, um, so there's
0: been there's a there's been a ton of uh, PlayStation Five news, but I don't know about on the X, Xbox front. I'm not really sure, but um, yeah,
1: they just haven't. Xbox said that they were gonna do some kind of like a virtual conference or something. They'll probably do kind of like a they'll do like I have a feeling they'll do like a virtual press conference or something. But they have big games like Halo Infinite that's supposed to be. Was, that are supposed to be out this year, and I know that they're probably itching to get advertisement for that going and buzz, though, so. All right. Yeah. All right, man, let's jump to the list. Um, so um, here we go. It's list time. Ryan, uh, you know what to do, man. Play the thing. And now for the top five. So this was here we are we're back. Uh, This was my pick. Um, We are doing uh, DC stories. Uh, So DC comics stories. This could include anything from uh, the comic books themselves, the animated properties like the television like Batman animated series, Superman animated series, the animated films. Um, This could include the um, uh, the television shows from CW. I mean Smallville arrow, flash, whatever. Um, or uh if you have a if you have a storyline from the nineties flash, uh that obviously fair. And obviously the movies themselves. So this kind of encompasses everything, um just the story arcs, that kind of stuff. I'm gonna be very honest with you, Peter, literally minds almost all comics. That's awesome. Um and wow. i and I it wasn't intentional because I thought about I thought about like the Dark Knight trilogy for example. But the Dark Knight trilogy draws from so many inspirations from the comics, and um, I thought about um, some other story arcs, and I was from, like, television and stuff like that, I'm like, those are great, but again, they drew from the comic books, so my list is almost all comics, so...
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, I actually, um, I had the opposite experience, where I thought mine was going to be all comics, but... When it came down like i thought this list was hard at first but then i found it easy because when it came down to picking like my actual favorite like dc stories um parts parts of me was like i don't know i come, i actually have more movies on our list i guess is to make a long story short that's what i'm trying to say is i, I actually found myself putting down more movies just because i was like I mean, I can get into the reasons later, but just kind of like, well, I mean, this is like one of my favorite things, or, you know, this movie actually impacted me a lot more than a lot of comics that I've read, even though, you know, like I said, I want, I wanted and thought I was going to have more comics on the list, if that makes sense, but yeah, um, I can explain more about that as we go. Um, and I do have two honorable mentions, I don't know if you have like,
1: I have two honorable mentions as well.
0: Okay, cool, so... Um, well actually the last uh news story we were talking about could be a great segue to my next or my first honorable mention which is the flashpoint paradox um uh, as uh, far as
1: honorable mentions uh i i match you on this
0: oh <laughs> nice well so i was actually thinking of uh i haven't read the comic i've uh, i've seen the animated movie so that's specifically what i was thinking of but that's I don't fair. know if you want to count that as a match or not um,
1: but I'm going to count it as a match because uh, I've read the comic and I've watched the movie and aside from some subtle subtle differences in the adaptation to the film um, they're almost identical
0: all right and that's kind of what I've heard and that's kind of why I <laughs> haven't read the comic um, but this is a uh,
1: the artwork is incredible in the comic by the way
0: Right, um... So,
1: just saying. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I wasn't saying the artwork was bad. I just, no, I just... Um, I think that's that's one thing where, like, you know, I read the book long before the movie came out, and then the artwork um, is just so amazing that um, when I saw the movie, I was like, oh, well, the art in the comic looks better. <laughs> so... I hear you.
0: I guess, like, this one... I and mean, we were just talking a lot about flashpoint paradox but this is one where this is one of my favorite uh dc animated films specifically from a uh, storyline standpoint like okay. i don't think it's the most innovative animation or anything but the story i think is so good and i think it's very intense and very high stakes and um kind of sucks because i think it's one of the best ones but i don't think you can give it to somebody as an introductory piece of dc lore because it's so you have to have a basic knowledge of most of the characters involved to really get everything that's going on but if you do have that basic knowledge like it is such a good such a suspenseful such an intense story um i don't know what your thoughts are <clears> on <throat> it but
1: um Flash. Well, we just talked about Flashpoint because we were talking about the news story. Flashpoint. I mean, the storyline is intense in general, um, but it's just this is one of those like masterpieces where someone just had this really cool idea. Like, let's see what happens if we, what would happen if we change something in the past on that parrot on that time travel paradox thing, and how would it affect this massive universe that we've created, and centralize it around a character who. I know the Flash is not, um, he's not a perfect uh, um, example to Spider-Man, but when uh, when Stanley created Spider-Man, the, the idea of him being a normal kid getting superpowers and then having to deal with his normal life plus having to deal with the fact that he has superpowers, the Flash is a really good example of a character in the DC Universe that is like Spider-Man in that sense. So, let's take a character, let's change something about his past, which will screw up his future, and he's got to deal with it on top of all this other stuff. Um, it, it's just a really cool place to put a character, and then, um, and then uh, having to go back and fix it, and then seeing all the story tropes that follow along with it, like, learning about how the reverse Flash is involved, learning about Thomas Wayne Batman, learning who the Joker is in this new reality, which, that's just chilling, um, Uh so, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's, it's such a good book, and I cannot, and I don't know if it's better to watch the movie or read it, but I cannot recommend Flashpoint enough, and I have a feeling most people at this point are probably just gonna wait for the live-action movie, but, read the book, it's, (laughs) read the book, it's great. Um, yeah,
0: um, one last thing. <clears throat> Sorry, I know we don't want to talk about honorable mentions too much. But well, we just don't I, want to I give them.
1: Something. I just we were talking Flashpoint before. That's the only reason I wanted to like lay into yeah. it a little bit more. But
0: well, just one really quick thing to flip, tack on about the Flashpoint paradox is it's kind of cool that this is a story that's. I mean, when did the New Fifty Two start? Like it's a, like eight years ago.
1: No, I, say, or, I feel
0: uh, like it was like 2012
1: or something i want to uh i'd have to look that up but uh yeah. Flashpoint is technically the launch pad for the new 52
0: R- right exactly but i guess my point is the story's not very old and it kind of became like this instant classic um flash storyline like yeah there's the other members of the justice league involved but it's kind of cool that it's this story that's not that old but <laughs> it's kind of this instant classic and just like this is instant must read for the character of the flash and that doesn't really happen i feel like a big problem or not a problem but a issue with comic books is it's hard to make newer stories using these characters who have been used over and over again for like you know going on a hundred years at this point and still keeping it fresh and making it sort of these must read things and i think flashpoint like they totally pulled it off with that storyline so just kind of a little addition i wanted to include there
1: yeah no i hear you um all right so, so we may be back
0: to my next one yep okay cool. so flashpoint actually segues really good into my next one which is uh the new 52 justice league um and i was thinking of really the first story okay arc where they which fight is against
1: uh dark side which is which would be Justice League War if you're talking about the animated film.
0: Exactly, and I wasn't sure in the comics what it was called, but yeah, the Justice League War animated movie is the same storyline, and this one I just really like.
1: Are you referencing accessi- the? Are you referencing the comic though, or are you referencing?
0: Yeah, yeah, this one I was talking about the comic, um, and this one is uh, one of the biggest reasons I appreciate this comic is I feel like it's really accessible like a couple weeks ago uh drew you and i were talking about the ultimate spider-man comics and how they're like if you go back to the original like the original few like ultimate spider-man story arcs it's this very accessible uh comic series that you could give to anybody whether they know about superheroes and the marvel universe and stuff or not, they're still gonna enjoy it and i feel like the new 52 Justice League War story arc is kind of the same way. Like, you can say, hey, you like superheroes, but you might not know all of their ins and outs. You can still give them that trade paperback, and they're going to like it, and they're going to be like, okay, this was cool. This was like the Avengers movie. This was accessible and, like, really enjoyable. And it's kind of like a cool... uh, To me, this story is kind of a cool, like, superhero, like, team superhero template where it's just like if you wanted to make a justice league movie from scratch, you could easily take the storyline and it would work perfectly. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. I don't, I know you've read this too, so I don't know if you have any thoughts here, but, um, it's,
1: it's a really good book. Uh, it's going to segue really into something else. Um, not my next not my next honorable mention but um, okay no it's just it's a really cool book and i love that they started so it was like you read flashpoint and then you read justice league this the first volume of justice of justice league new 52 which sets off the which so flashpoint starts the new 52 timeline and the justice league war is the first thing you would read of the new 52 timeline um, it's kind of like the launching part and the first thing they have to deal with is dark side Um, and it's like an awesome dark side invading the planet kind of thing. So, Uh which bizarrely translates into Joss Whedon's, uh, Justice League film. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, but yeah, no, I'll have more to say on this in a moment. Um, so I'm going to jump over to my final honorable mention and that is Crisis on Infinite, uh, sorry, Crisis on Earth X, the CW crossover. Oh, um, the uh, nice. They did do the Crisis on Infinite Earths, which, as fanboys, we all love and we wanted to see because of all the crazy crossovers, and it was just exciting because of all the characters. Um, but the reason Crisis on Earth X stands out for me, because that was the one two years prior. They did Crisis on Earth X, and then they did Elseworlds, and then they did Crisis on Infinite Earths. But Crisis on Earth X uh, was a event that took place on Earth X, and they were trying to breach over to Earth Prime or Earth One. Um And uh, the what I loved about this was it was everyone from all the shows, but there were doubles of everyone because um, because in the show you had an evil Supergirl, you had an evil Arrow, you had an evil like you had evil versions of all the characters because they were from Earth X, and then you had to do so you had like you'd have two Supergirls on screen at the same time and one would be bad one would be good it was just. It was a really cool thing that they did in terms of like doppelgangers, and it was yeah. really fun to watch these actors have to play two different versions of themselves at the same time. Uh, so just in terms of an acting exercise and stuff, it was just a good. Um, it was a really cool um, uh, story, and then the fight scene at the end. I honestly feel it was the best big battled fight scene beyond anything they did on Crisis on Infinite Earths because Crisis on Infinite Earths was a lot of CG villains where this was Supergirl had to fight Supergirl and Arrow had to fight Arrow and you had like actual like it was like they had to have stunt people in for the other actors and then they had to fix everything so you got to it's just so many characters on screen at once Um, more so than CG characters so um, I just wanted a quick shout out to that crossover specifically
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I think it also, like, I like that uh, you threw in there that there's, like, there's a certain energy um, that kind of gets lost when it's just real characters fighting against CG characters. Like, the choreography and stuff can feel a lot more real and immediate and stuff when it's actually two actors fighting against each other. So that's really awesome.
1: Absolutely. Um, So, uh, this goes to your actual first pick of the night.
0: Yeah, so... Here's where you're gonna see what I mean where it's I went with a lot of movies because I just had to acknowledge like these are my favorite things in the DC universe. Um, the first uh so the first story I wanna mention is uh the Christopher Reeves Super Superman movies. And I guess I would be specifically talk, be talking about Superman one and two okay. because I feel like those two movies actually do make a uh, cohesive story arc Um, yeah those those
1: are uh, actual I I, those were meant to be like from what I understand those were filmed back to back and they were meant to be um done that way so
0: yeah yeah that's that's absolutely true and um it's just one of those things where this is this movie series has influenced me so much and I grew up with them and I love them so much and uh it's hard for me to know what to say that hasn't been said a, a hundred times, but I mean, Christopher Reeves was such a, uh, such a good representation of Superman. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think like, and then if you look at all, you know, the four movies that he was in, like these first two movies, like definitely, I mean, without a doubt are the strong point of that series, even though I have a soft, spot in my heart for Superman four. it really is those first two movies that are the classics and that everybody goes back to and revisits and stuff like that. So,
1: yeah. Um, did you have anything else to say on that one? It's, uh,
0: it's, it's not too, not too much necessarily, but it's just kind of like when I think of like my favorite DC things and stuff and what's affected me most and stuff like I had to bring in the Christopher Reeves Superman movies. So
1: right. I, uh, um, I I haven't watched them in a long time, like those specific ones. I haven't watched in a long time. I've been actually kind of meaning to do that, to be honest. Um, but no, those are those are really good. And watching them back to back, like I have a big I have a big thing for, uh, um, Superman four. Like I really enjoy that movie. But I need to go back and rewatch uh, one and two, um, kind of yeah. like a double feature or something.
0: I can add one more thing. Um, sure. So, in my opinion, like a good Superman story, um, is one that. So, to me, I feel like Superman's like, and maybe it's just because of you know how I grew up and stuff. But Superman's like small, uh, small town like roots and stuff like that, and like his relationship with his parents and stuff. I feel like a good Superman story kind of pulls at your heartstrings a little bit, like from that aspect, and I feel like um i feel like i get some of the most heartfelt moments out of these first two christopher reeves superman movies like even compared to a lot of uh uh, superman comics like i know uh like superman for all seasons has like some really good moments like that um for me the uh the original action or the first action comic story arc uh but uh I can't remember the writer's name, but that first story arc has a couple moments like that, too, for me. But, yeah, these movies definitely have some of the most, like, heartfelt moments for me as well. So
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. Do you want me to roll to my next one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right, so we talked about Flashpoint kicking off the new 52. And then we talked about Justice League War, or Justice League, the first volume. Um, yes being the beginning of the new 52 where dark side invades earth um my first actual pick of the night is dark war which is the end of the new 52 um and dark uh um dark and his daughter grail trying to take over earth um and it's i don't know if you've read that but holy cow is it amazing
0: <laughs> No, I, unfortunately, I haven't read this one. I actually, I probably should go back and read it. I actually gave up on the New 52 far before this came out, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if...
1: A lot of people, a lot of people did, but this, because of what happens in this, this also launches DC Rebirth. (laughs) So you would read Dark Side War, and then you would read Rebirth number one, um, the big thing, and I'll tell you this, is that it just released. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. It's been on my it's been on my list of things to do. I'll probably try and get to it this weekend. Um, is yeah. the DC animated film Apocalypse War just released, which is the animated adaptation of Dark Side War? Oh, okay, cool. Um, so it's Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which is the um, yeah, which is the animated version of this. So I, I've been meaning to, um get on that it's just i just haven't had time but dark side war this it's such a good story it's so cool i was like riveted all the way through so yeah that's awesome yeah um all right man kicking it back to you i do i I have a feeling we're not going to match for the rest of this so
0: i mean maybe we'll see Uh, (laughs) um
1: i'll be surprised
0: but go ahead said you picked mostly comics yeah. but yeah we'll see how it goes um so my next one and i feel like this is lower on my list than it should be but i'm gonna go with it and that is the 1989 batman movie um, drew you and i have talked it talked extensively about this movie on this podcast we have a whole show dedicated specifically to this movie but this is another one where i was just thinking when it comes to all of DC, like, what are my favorite things, and it was one of those things where this movie, like, has influenced me so much in my life, like, we used to watch it so much as kids, and I just, like, it had to make my list, and it's one of those things where we talked on the uh, episode about this, this movie where I was talking about how the aesthetics, like, kind of really shined through to me and like the design work on the movie like with my most recent recent watch of this movie but um I think uh yeah it's it's just one of those things where I think aesthetically this movie's affected me too and it's kind of just been a big influence and I remember back when uh the show Birds of Prey first came out and I was (laughs) in high school and I remember thinking it was cool that Birds of Prey was kind of unofficially connected to the Tim Burton Batman movies and still had some of that visual language still in there. And I thought that was like really exciting. And I think it's just one of those things, like it's hard to know where to start. I mean, I know we talked about this so much, but I just think about how when I was a kid, Batman, the animated series influenced me a lot. And without these, without the Tim Burton movies, we wouldn't have the animated series. And just like so many, so many things, uh, that i love about superheroes now you can trace the dominoes back to this one batman film and uh it's kind of all that like how much i love this movie how much it's influenced me and my life and i just had to include it on my list
1: you know it's and we've i've said it before we do not get avengers endgame without this film and um i What's interesting about Batman 89 is um, and we did a whole episode on it so go back and listen because I don't want to like take too much time on like something that we are going to be always talking about but when they made the, <laughs> yeah. when they made the Batman announcement about Michael Keaton returning I kind of sat there for a moment and as much as <laughs> I like I honestly wonder if Michael Keaton really is and always will be the best live action Batman. Um, and that it just made me think about it that way. I was like, wow, like he really is the best live action, live action Batman. That's incredible. So, um, yeah, Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to make that the blanket, I don't know if I want to make that the blanket statement and that's, you know, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, just absolutely fantastic film. Um, and you're making me want to go watch it. So, all right. Unfortunately we did not match on that. Um. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Cause like I said, this <laughs> no, is I was kidding. focusing on story as opposed to like my personal bias. So uh, that's, kind of how, that's kind of how I tackled the list. All right. Yeah. So um, my first, my next pick for the night is Blackest Night. Uh, did you do you remember reading this or did you read this at all? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I've read it. It's been a while, but yeah, this is an awesome.
1: Story um. So this is. I mean, it's ultimately DC's attempt at uh, zombies but they it's green lantern zombies so they are controlled by their it's the black lanterns um which represent the uh, power of death and they resurrect all these like dead beings and superheroes and stuff and they're all you know it sounds kind of goofy when i say it out loud Um, But when you start reading it and you realize what's really going on and, like, the the enormity of what they're attempting to do with that story, um, Necron is such an amazing villain. The Black Hand himself is an amazing, like, addition to, like, the villainy in that. The Black Lanterns in general. uh, When you see Black Lantern Batman and you learn that he's not actually the real Batman because of something that happened from another book, like, oh my god, like, it's so cool. Um, but no, Black, Blackest Night, I've read it probably three times because it's it's just that good. Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's yeah. funny to hear you say, like, you thought it sounded goofy because it was, I feel like...
1: When I say it out I, you know, loud, know. it sounds goofy, but, like, it's not. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> but but it, it's so <clears throat> badass, and, like, so much of the artwork in it is so great. And it's funny because... I don't know what, what came out first. Was it Blackest Night or Marvel Zombies? Because I know both series were um, at least contemporary with each other, and I don't know which one came out first. I almost want to say Marvel Zombies did, but I don't know if you know.
1: Um, I don't know who came out first. Oh, I'd have to look that up, but I just know that they. it's almost like they were in response to The Walking Dead's popularity.
0: Oh, okay. I, I didn't think of The Walking Dead uh, correlation, but to me, I kind of, I always felt like Marvel was like, okay, we're gonna do this goofy zombie, like Marvel Marvel zombie book, and DC was like, that's all cool and whatever, but we're gonna make something that actually makes sense and is really... Awesome and actually has like a really concrete, like interesting lore behind it, and that's where Blackest Night came in. Um, Well, so that's kind of my thoughts on
1: it. Which makes me think that Marvel Zombies came first because Marvel Zombies are called Marvel Zombies, where you had like, like, think about it. If I'm right, and they were in response to if I'm saying if I'm right, I don't want anyone saying Drew like says he's right about this. If I'm right um, about these being in response to the Walking Dead's popularity, I feel like Marvel Zombies probably came first, just specifically because of the title. But then DC yeah. comes back and says, "We're not just doing zombies; we're making them lanterns." Here we go. Check this shit out. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, Blackest Night. F- that's my. F- that's my next pick. It's such an amazing. It's such an amazing book. So. <clears throat> yeah. Awesome. All right, man. What's your next pick?
0: Okay. um... Uh... This is another one that I feel like should be higher up, but I'm going with it, and that is Watchmen. So we can go with the comic book. It's not, <laughs> I haven't watched the t- the show yet, but the comic book and the movie are kind of a tie for me. I like them both for different reasons. And um, it's really hard to pick. I'm gonna let you but, continue,
1: but I agree with that statement. They're like a tie for me, book and comic.
0: Yeah, and and like I said, I like them both for very different reasons. But I love. So this is a... If we focus on the comic book series, this is a series that does a couple of things that I feel like really legitimizes comics in a big way. And one of them is it being this... Um, this is... I, it's not. I don't think it's the first comic to do this, but this is one of the big ones that really got people to take this medium serious. And it's not just because it's dark and it's mature, but it's because it's very dense, like, it's a very dense read, and it's very serious, and there's real consequences to things, and it's not, they're not serialized characters, like, if these characters die, they're dead, they're gone, and stuff, and I I just, I really love that it kind of legitimized legitimized comics in that way, and I also like the whole, um, the way this book is put together, it's kind of a I don't know the right word, but it's kind of a hackneyed version of different things because you'll be reading uh, this old, you'll be reading like an old newspaper article about the uh, Minutemen or whatever, and then you'll switch to like what's actually going on in the story, and then you'll read part of the Black Freighter comic, and it's kind of cool that it changes medium so much to tell, like, this one really interesting, uh, dense story, um, besides that, I mean, I don't know, like, the story's great, I love that it's very complex, I love the, I love that it's a story that's very, like, really personal about superheroes' lives, but it's also very, uh, it's very broad and, like, political and deals with the end of the world and stuff, and so it kind of works on multiple levels where it's a very, broad story but it, it's also very personal at the same time in a lot of ways um, it's and this is one people have talked this story to death so it's hard to I know, know it's, what else to say about the story it's also
1: but it's also going to be hard for me to follow because you're saying literally everything i'd want to say so i have <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm gonna sorry. no no no, no, no it's, know, fine, cause it's fine because it's fine because it's your pick and we didn't match what i'm gonna i have one point i'm gonna bring up so say what you gotta say and then we'll go from there.
0: I mean I mean I was I was about to actually turn the mic over to you. Okay. Um, my only but p- yeah, it's, it's just great.
1: my only point that I wanted to bring up is that a lot of people don't know this, but Alan Moore wrote that to be the Justice League because he wanted to do his take on the Justice League, and when he turned in the script, D C said, You cannot do this with these characters. <laughs> yeah. And he said, Okay, cool, though and he ended up making all these new characters because they weren't going to allow him to do it so he basically had to retool it for a whole new group of characters which now you have dr manhattan and rorschach and silk specter have become like household names because of how successful the Watchmen book was um and now they're incorporated into the dc universe which another book which i haven't had time to read yet doomsday clock it's sitting on my shelf i just haven't had a chance to read it yet so yeah um <clears throat> that's actually a really
0: fun like a really cool story i don't I feel like I might have heard that story about Alan Moore wanting to write it about the Justice League, but um, I honestly, if I have heard that before, I forgot about it, but that's a really cool little uh, tidbit there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, it's hard to know where else to go.
1: That's all um, good. Um,
0: and I feel like we could be talking about The Watchmen forever. but
1: Yeah, um, well, do you want to kick it back to me?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. that works for
1: me. So my next pick for the night is Batman Nightfall. Um, oh, okay. This uh, this hit in like the mid to late '90s. This was like this hit when I was like really starting to like super heavily get into comics. And when I say that, I mean it's that thing where you read a comic book for the first time and you realize what's really in your hand. Because you know you're reading comic books as a kid, but you're looking at the artwork and you're excited because it's Spider-Man or Batman, whatever. And then you actually sit down and read, and you understand the story you're being told, and then you get really into comic books. Um, and, and then, at the peak of me being like, "Oh my God, this is amazing! I need more of this in my life," um, here I am, this like 14 year old kid going, "This is amazing! I can't! This is like I can't! I, I need more of these comics to read." And then they release Batman Nightfall, and Batman's gonna get his back broken by Bane. What does that mean? And there's this new Batman with this really cool-looking suit that, like, apparently in the comic book industry, like, was all mad about, but some people love it. And it's, um, this is a story that I read and read and reread and reread. Um, it holds a special place in my heart just because I thought the story was awesome, and I really liked the new Batman suit for this other guy that ended up being, like, he ended, this Az- Azriel who ended up becoming a bad guy, essentially. Um, yeah. It was such a cool thing that they attempted to do. And, like, it's not like... Um, it's not like they changed something about Batman and then, like, everyone liked or didn't like it and they went back to Batman. What they did was is they changed Batman and that's who he was for a very long time before they brought Bruce Wayne back and explained how it all... You know, how he got his back fixed and everything. Um, and uh, the story itself is just overall it's just this really cool like redemption story so ultimately the length of that condensing it down into the dark knight rises is um is really kind of funny but um oh yeah batman nightfall is just it's such a cool it's such a cool piece so i don't know if you have um, anything you wanted to to add to that but
0: this is one i haven't read in its entire entirety i've read some of it and i know a lot about the events that happen in it but uh Batman Nightfall is, uh, it's a long story. Like, you were talking about Azrael takes the place of Batman for a long time. And if you go into a bookstore and you look up, you look at, like, the collected volumes of Nightfall, it is huge. Like, it's, there's a lot of, uh, just comics that make up this whole story. And, uh, I can't remember where I was going with this, but, um, I think it's, I think it's definitely a really cool story. I've always loved, like you said, Azrael's, uh costume design and stuff is really awesome and uh it's such a big event in just uh, batman's history when he had his back broken and this whole thing went down um but uh i also just really love the artwork of of this comic because it just has a lot of that really good uh early 90s artwork that i love a lot so that's basically probably the points i would add to uh nightfall
1: yeah, um, that's, uh, yeah, no, I, the, the artwork is great, too, um, I know it's the 90s artwork, but I really, yeah, I really liked it, um, it really, it really stands out with a specific time period, so, I don't know. Yeah, all right Yeah, alright, man, this kicks it back to you.
0: Yeah, and actually, Nightfall is actually or Nightwell. <laughs> Nightfall's actually a pretty good segue into my next one. Um, I've talked about the story on the on the show before, but I picked the death and return of Superman. So that
1: I expected a, I expected that to make your list.
0: <laughs> absolutely. So this is basically uh, the death of Superman, where Superman faces faces off against uh, Doomsday all the way through, like his funeral and all that, and the return of the Superman story arc. Uh, or, or, sorry, the reign of the superman story arc all the way up to superman's return and uh i remember when we did the superman episode of this podcast drew you were surprised that this made one of my favorite superman stories but the thing is like yeah there's superman dies in this story but i really always loved that like ultimate sacrifice superman made while fighting doomsday to save metropolis and to save the world that he's become a part of and everything and uh it's just one of those things like i i also really like this whole story because as i mentioned with nightfall this is like early 90s which is honestly probably my favorite comic book art of all time like i love the early 90s stuff and uh there's a lot of zany 90s in this story arc especially when you get into the reign of the Superman, which is if anybody doesn't know that's when uh <laughs> cyborg superman steel superboy and the last son of krypton were all kind of competing to be the next superman after superman passed away <laughs> but um, yeah this is just like a really fun story it's it's kind of the death of superman is kind of like really serious and really like moving and then it moves into the reign of, of the superman which is uh very fun and kind of zany until superman comes back and uh it ends up being really epic at the end again but uh yeah i just i just really like this one i don't know if you have any comments on it or anything
1: um the return of superman is a very triumphant thing but what i want to point i want to bring up is the death of superman where he it's it's incredible it's incredible how sad that book is and yes. how triumphant of a character uh, Superman is in terms of how that story played out. Um, when you look at, like, that's one comic book, and I'm going to be honest, I, it might actually be the only comic book that made me cry. Okay. Um, like, I actually had, like, legit emotion reading that book, and um, it it's it was, and, like, and I never thought of it, and I, I didn't really... I wonder if when I read it originally, I didn't understand it as well as it's like, oh my God, this is cool. These guys are fighting, and Superman dies. Cool death of Superman. But then you read it, as you go back and you read it as an adult when you have a different, a different understanding of the world, and wow. how important that story really is, and ultimately what they were doing with it. And it's an incredibly emotional book. And when you see what Superman goes through, when you see how he, you know, and it's basically the death of Superman is basically a fight scene that lasts cover to cover and um it's just incredible how it all plays out and yeah like it's it's a very sad book but it's awesome all the way through so
0: yeah it's um i mean i said earlier like i think a good superman story pulls at your heartstrings and uh i think the death of superman definitely definitely more so than the events that follow it really do that and i think um the actual final issue of that story arc where it's superman and doomsday facing off and it's this comic that was drawn by uh dan jurgens um i'm pretty sure and i feel like he might have written it too i might have to look that up but every single page of this comic book is a splash page there is no panels in this comic every single page is just one giant panel showcasing either the battle between superman and doomsday or the um, surrounding characters and how like this battle is affecting them and i think it's It was such an effective way to have just every single panel is like, this really big, in-your-face, like, emotional splash page to kind of just convey this storyline. And I think um, in Superman, like, Superman is important and the villains are important, but there's all the surrounding characters, you know, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, like, everybody in Smallville, Perry White, like, all these characters that surround him really are the ones that we relate to and I think uh, I just think that issue did such a good way of like conveying how these people were affected by this battle and so I can definitely understand why you have a, an emotional response to uh that comic book
1: yeah um yeah um I don't know <laughs> I don't know how to add to that um <laughs> Um. Yeah. All right. So this kicked back to me. Like I just don't know what else to add, man. You kind of stumped me there.
0: <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. No. I was just trying kind to of adding to to yours, but I, I definitely I don't remember crying while reading Death of Superman, but I do think I had like some like heartfelt moments, uh, especially in that last issue there. But, it wasn't uh, like yeah, a. Yeah,
1: it wasn't know. like a. It wasn't like a notebook or Titanic cry. It was more of a. <laughs> um, no, it was. I, it I, was I, more I, of like a single tear, yeah, and you're just like, oh man. <laughs> yeah um all right so my next one uh, wow you know I thought we were, were on the list quite long tonight um the uh, I feel like we're on the list longer than normal uh, so my next one is identity crisis um, have, okay, you, nice. have you read this
0: I actually haven't read this I remember hearing about it a ton back in the day but I actually don't know at all what it's all right, so
1: I'll, I'll give Maybe you a, I do
0: and I just don't know but. I'll give you
1: a reader's digest version. First off, this is a book yeah. that if someone says I'm interested in reading comics, um, where should I start? A lot of times I'll say what character do you like?" And then so if they said like Superman, I'd say, oh, you should read this book or that book. If they say Batman, I'll be like, oh, check this out, you might like that'll be a good starting point um, If you say you just want to start reading comics, you don't really have a character in mind whether I start you in some point or not, this is going to be like one of the first books I hand you here. You need to read this. Um, This is a murder mystery in a way that like I never expected it to be. Um, And it touch touches base on the idea of the superheroes keeping secret identities. Um, Okay. And so the elongated man's wife is murdered. And he goes into a detective mode wanting to solve his wife's murder, but he's, like, completely emotionally distraught, so people are trying to help him solve the murder. And so it's a a mystery, but it's also, like, who's involved and what really happened, and then throw in... um, and then when you actually learn pieces when Batman and, like, Martian Manhunter are like, all right, we need to analyze this a little bit differently. Let's team up and start looking at this in a different way. And um, other characters die because what happens is, is you have – the, the idea is, is that the only way the elongated man's wife could have been murdered is if someone knew his identity because other, there's no reason she would have been targeted by anyone else. So how did his identity get out? Which means other people's identities could have gotten out. Um, okay, and it puts the and it puts the whole superhero community on like this crazy like lockdown with their loved ones, um, and uh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds really good. That's it, awesome. It's really really good, and it's a book that I it's a book that I want to hand like anyone who says they want to read comic books. It's a book I want to hand and say you need to read Identity Crisis because it's such a great uh, concept. Um, so yeah, and it's another one I've read multiple times. So. That's great. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got.
0: <laughs> okay. Cool. Um. So that would move into my final pick. Um. Which is probably no surprise to anyone, but I chose Man of Steel and Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Um. This is oh. another. Uh, another group of movies we've talked a ton about on the podcast, but these these two movies I think make it's awesome how con- cohesive they are. Um, these are definitely my favorite superhero movies, like, period, um, and I I don't know what to say that I haven't said a million times on the podcast, but I just, from Man of Steel, like, so much about that movie, I think, gets, I loved their, I loved uh, Zack Snyder's approach to Superman, and just, like, superheroes in general in Man of Steel, because there's so many things that, a lot of people think there's like a lot of plot holes in these movies but I watch them and I like pay attention to everything and so many things can be explained and so many things make sense that uh, maybe didn't make sense about Superman or different superheroes before um, and like I the best example for that I can think of is how like Superman's comic or costume doesn't look like the comic book version we're used to seeing of his costume but the thing is it's an alien suit and so like when you think of it like oh it's an alien suit it kind of makes more sense why it doesn't have trunks and about like we're used to seeing at superman's costume and all that sort of stuff but i just think these are really awesome movies i enjoyed them thoroughly i love the cohesion i love that batman v superman starts um basically where man of steel ended and uh, yeah, I, I don't know i think they're great um, i don't know if you have anything to say this is kind of like I said, we've talked at Nauseam about these two films out here. so.
1: Um, I, I'm going to have a lot to say about these movies coming up when the Snyder Cut finally releases, because Ab- we're going be to ta- be talking about them a ton. Man of Steel, I think, is underrated, and then they released Batman Superman, and I think everyone went, Oh, I understand Man of Steel now and then i think batman and superman is underrated right now and i think that's going to completely change when the snyder cut finally releases and they're going to understand what was really going on um because i think as a reader of comic books i walked out of batman superman going that's one of the best comic book movies ever made and everyone who doesn't read comic books i don't think understood what they were watching um and that's yeah does that make sense
0: i i do i absolutely agree with that because um so there's a moment in batman v superman where uh so when lex Luthor is uh he's creating he's like recreating doomsday basically Yep and the ship says like oh the kryptonian council banned the recreation of such a desecration or whatever basically hinting that like this isn't the real doomsday but uh lex is basically recreating a doomsday for, uh, the big baddie in this movie. And I remember seeing that and I like whispered to myself, I was like, that's genius. Like that's such a smart way to bring him like doomsday into the story. And I know that nobody else I saw the movie with understood it. Like none of my friends got that. And you
1: and I, I didn't, and him. you and I didn't go see the movie together, but I got it.
0: Yeah. And that's, and, and that's where I was like, that's such a smart way to bring him into this. And yeah, so I, I definitely know what you mean. Like, if you don't read comics, or at least aren't familiar with that world, you're going to miss, like, a lot of stuff is going to go over your head, but I do think if you watch the movies and just pay attention, and uh, don't just assume that there's plot holes and actually kind of look for the things you're missing, I do think, like, there's a lot in there that people miss, so I I don't want to say you have to read comics to really catch everything in these movies I think you just have to pay attention I guess
1: (laughs) yeah no I gotcha the uh what's interesting about um that is that um at the end of Batman vs Superman when uh Lex is in prison and Batman goes to like you know mess with him a little bit um and he says and Lex Luthor says that he's coming the bell has been rung yeah when you get to Justice League you still don't know what he's talking about But when you get to the Snyder cut, you're going to know what he was talking about. Because (laughs) me as a reader, and everything that was prepped in that nightmare sequence, I know exactly what he was talking about. And I just don't think enough people understood. And that's where Joss Whedon, I think, failed us when he did his version of the Justice League, because you took away everything that those two movies set up. Um, Yeah. So... Absolutely. I, I just cannot wait for the Snyder Cut. So, yeah. Um, okay, so where are we at? Uh, my final pick for the night? Yeah, yeah. What do you got? Which is, and I've talked about it many times in the past, but it's Batman Hush. Um, oh, nice. And the, reason this, uh, and the reason this makes my list is, and I've talked about it many times before, I mean, obviously the artwork's great, the story's great, but one of the things I just want to add to my story um, and why I like this so much is that when it came out, it was like a breath of fresh air. Um, they we've heard many stories about Joker and Penguin and Riddler and Catwoman and like all the other villains, but here was a story where they said we're going to create a new villain, and um, he's going to be cool. And you're like, okay, why not? And then the villain is amazing, um, and uh, the mystery behind the villain was cool, and how it incorporated all the other bits of Batman's rogues gallery was cool. Like the way they intertwined everything together, and it's just is such a well 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 crafted story um the animated film is out there they altered the ending um i'm not thrilled how they altered the ending but in a bizarre way it's almost the same Uh, (laughs) so um how about this the it's when you get to the end of the comic and you're like whoa that's how that was happening when you get to the end of the end of the animated film They changed it enough so it is. You're not going to have that mind blown moment, but if you compare it in your head, you're going to go, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, the book is definitely. This is a definite situation where the book truly is better. But the animated film, everything leading up to that, those end moments was great. I think they wanted to focus more, as far as the animated film goes, on the Batman Catwoman relationship that happens in the book. I think that was more their focus of the animated film than uh, the rest of it, but uh, Hush as a villain is so cool, um, and uh, he's definitely moved the higher parts of the list for uh, uh, my favorite Batman villains, so... Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. All right, well, that brings us to the end of the list, unless you have anything to say about Batman Hush. Uh, not
0: necessarily, like you said, okay. we've talked about it before, but yeah. <laughs> All right,
1: well, that brings us to the end of the list. Um, So we need to talk about next week. Um, All right, Peter, next week is episode 100 of the Top 5 Report. Um, So that means, so everyone, so you understand what we're going to do, we are going to finally discuss the Marvel MCU. We talked a lot of DC tonight. Next week we'll be talking almost nothing but Marvel. It's going to be one heck of a conversation. We're going to be talking all 23 films of the Marvel MCU and creating our Top 5 on the fly I am not prepping my list. I've told Peter not to prep his list, and I'm telling our guests. Uh, yes, we will have guests. We are going to have a, a wonderful panel. I don't want to tell you who's coming, um, but if you've been listening to the show, some familiar voices will be on air. Um, what we will be doing is it's kind of it's going to be sort of like a bump draft, and you will understand what I mean by that as we get to that episode. And it could end up being a two-parter, depending on how long we talk. <laughs> um so we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm just th- well, sure. I'm just thinking if we run too long, what we'll do is we'll record it as one giant episode, and then I'll split it into two, and you'll get episode 100 part one and episode 100 part two. Um, yeah. I just think that'd be a cool way to go. Um, I... I,
0: I... No, I have like this really cryptic way I could hint that he's gonna be on episode, but I don't want to do it. I don't think I should do it.
1: Uh, yeah, no, don't. It'll just we'll just make it a surprise. <laughs> it's not like we have any celebrity. Gonna... It's not like we have any celebrity guests, but if you've been listening to the show, you've heard some of these voices, and we just wanted to put together a really good panel of people. I think we thought would have a really good conversation. With. So, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um. So with that being said. Uh, join us next week for episode 100 it's going to be a lot of fun um but in the meantime check out our website top5report.com there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along with uh, a link to our uh, email uh, top 5 at gmail.com where you can interact with the show there or hit us up on our social media either way works We are on Google, Stitcher Play, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. There you can subscribe to us, and if you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, which we love the five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better, and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927Peter.
0: Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre, and that's where I will be leaking bootleg recordings of our first four failed show recordings tonight.
1: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew.
0: I'm Peter.
1: And we'll talk to you next week. Have a good night, everyone. Bye.